This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide, episode number one. Welcome to Advanced Base Camp. Our intention is that you go to completely another level of life, of leadership, of intentionality, and we're really just your guides. That's all we are. We're just Sherpas. Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and I am here with my amazing British business partner, Steve Cockrum. Hello, Steve Cockrum. How are you, sir? I'm well, Jeremy. And as you know, I love my American introductions, so just keep plastering it on as fast as you want. It's great. Should I say more really? amazing or brilliant? Which word works best for you? Start there and just keep working towards the <laughs> although, yes. although, to be fair, I did an American introduction for you in Santa Barbara this week that was probably one of my best ever, even though I managed to avoid that cynical takedown at the end. How was it? I kept waiting. I kept waiting for that club just to hit my knees, and it didn't come. I was so impressed. Thank you for that. Well, you know, uh, just for everyone who doesn't know us, we're co-founders of Giant Worldwide, and uh, we have had so much fun in the last week, in fact. So, Steve, give a quick update, and we're going to jump into some really fun ideas, but tell them, what, what did we do this last week? Well, I flew over from uh, my little commute from London to Atlanta, and we had three days together as an HQ team. So all of our key people, we had, we had some time really just thinking through where have we come from, um, what are we doing, and just a, some space to dream again and some fun. We went to, what was that thing you took us to, Whirly, Whirly Ball or something? Whirly Ball is amazing. Uh, for those of you who don't know Whirly Ball, uh, imagine bumper cars, lacrosse, and basketball all together, which is basically uh, uh, you know injuries, back injuries, you know, messed up thumbs, and scrapes. But it was really, really fun. So we went, we went from there to um, all the way out to sunny Santa Barbara, where we have uh, we led our first retreat for the West Coast for our X Core program. And, I mean, stunning. What a great, great place. Loved it. It's certainly the land of the beautiful people. So you and I fit in right in. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and I just got back from San Francisco. So I spent some time with some friends from Apple, uh, Young Life, some other great, great people out there. And, uh, man, what, a, what an amazing place. So it was fun to get to see all, all of that. But here we are. We're working on... Um, some ideas that we want to share with you all. And for, for those of you who don't know us, uh, Steve and I, uh, we love to spend time serving and equipping and helping uh, leaders to become liberating leaders. And, and there's uh, really a different views of leadership. There's uh, categories, and we'll go over those categories and, and tell you what it looks like to be a leader that people want to follow and not have to follow. And so I think our, our main goal really is just to kind of talk and share some stories that could be helpful and then maybe really, really practical. So, um, Steve, why don't you walk them through kind of our version? Like, wh- what does it look like to be a leader worth following in, in your estimation or our estimation? So, I guess the, um, the simplest tool we use, which you may have to draw if you're listening, is almost to draw a little matrix of a cross and put high support on the vertical axis and high challenge on the horizontal and make yourself four quadrants. And basically what we say is that a, a leader worth following, that, that we call a liberator, is a, a leader who's learned how to calibrate effectively high support and high challenge for all those the people they lead. And to create a culture of empowerment 
where people get challenged to be the best they can be and also opportunity to get stretched beyond probably where people feel comfortable. So that is the holy grail. That's our, that's our ambition to be those people um, in what we call every circle of influence. So whether that's with our families, our friends, our teams, our organizations, or even our leadership roles in the wider community, we're trying to say that our desire is to be people who learn how to calibrate high support and high challenge that we know ourselves. So some of us are better at challenge than support. And also over time, we work with leaders to help them understand who are the people that I'm actually uh, working with and how can I be more intelligent in the way I apply that? I don't know what you'd add to that, Jeremy. No, it's, it's amazing. This last weekend, you know, I got to hear some amazing stories about um, people and their situations. And, you know, in every case, they, they had someone that they knew. We had some people who stood up and said, oh, I'm totally abdicating at home. Like totally. I'm, I'm not bringing any support. I'm not. I'm basically I'm living accidentally at home with my family and my kids. And it was this big aha uh, with this one individual. Like, I can't believe that I've never thought about this before. And it, so so the whole idea in the five circles of influence is you're either intentional or you're accidental. And so you, you pick, you know, and most of us uh, in, in area, every area of our life. Yeah, we're intentional in some ways and accidental in other ways. So to that support challenge matrix you just mentioned, I'm all those things. There's <laughs> days that I'm a liberator. And there's days that I'm a dominator. And sometimes I protect my team and sometimes I abdicate. And it's really eye-opening when you, when you get to reality and actually admit your reality. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people in our world to admit so they can see themselves or how they really are, what it looks like to be on the other side of them. Because only until you do that, uh, you, will, you will remain accidental. You'll, you'll remain maybe half of what you could be. But if you get to the place where you admit it, that's where the growth opportunities happen. And I think to go back to Santa Barbara, I think one of the most wonderful things in, in our world and the thing probably we love doing most is where we actually have a chance to liberate others and then watch them, as it were, go through that transformation and then basically want to take what it is they've learned and share that with others. So if you think of some of our core group leaders that we, we had in Santa Barbara, I think of Natalia from the Ukraine, who I think you and I both met Natalia for the first time at an incredible tea house in Albuquerque. I don't know. What was it called? Uh, St. James tea, tea Room. I remember sitting, having afternoon tea with Natalia and her husband and basically just speaking to her about probably a little bit about who she was really. And of course she cries every time she came to anything we did, Natalia would cry. And there, probably about a year and a half on from that process, Natalia was actually leading a group of serious leaders in Santa, um, in Santa Barbara. And the feedback from everyone was that she was a rock star, that her own peer process of liberation, her own journey towards really owning her own leadership gifts were now being deployed on behalf of others. And, I think that's one of our passions, isn't it, really? That how do we set people free to be the best they can be, but to do it in a way that actually they're then able to do it for other people. So we create this kind of network of liberators who not only are liberated themselves, but are able to liberate others. Absolutely. In fact, this weekend, I had just the privilege of working um, with an organization on um, raising up the leaders in the for former Soviet Union. So 16 countries, and I spent all weekend uh, with, with these leaders. And 
it was unbelievable. But it brought back my days. I used to, for those that don't know, I used to live in Moscow. I lived in Russia there, and I was I was there in the early uh, 90s, 93 to 95. And we had, um, I lived across from Stalin Towers, which is, which is the highest building in Moscow, and really gloomy building. Uh, this Stalin basically made it as gloomy and scary as possible to remind people of the power that he had. And it was like this dominating, uh, you know, sadistic kind of approach to make, to keeping people under his thumb. And um, so to live there and, and see dominators and then see what it looked like for liberators to lead. And most people, by the way, most dominators aren't Stalin. So, okay. So I would say Stalin was probably evil. Most aren't. They just don't know uh, how to bring support. They're really, really good at challenging, but that challenge sometimes uh, causes blood in the water, and it's usually not their blood. It's usually other people's blood. It's browbeating. It's it's cultivating fear and manipulation. And uh, so to spend all weekend talking about creating liberating leaders in 16 countries from Armenia to Uzbekistan to Latvia was just so fun. And, and the great part, what you said, Steve, is we've done it. We've watched what, what happened with Natalia, who was not, she was not a dominator, by the way, but for her to step into her liberation and really um, be free and secure, to be confident and humble so that she could actually start giving herself away with people. I mean, nobody does that. Very, very few people have that type of focus. And that's really what we're, we're doing here in our attempt to communicate with you all is we're just we're fighting for your highest possible good so that you will learn how to fight for other people's highest possible good. And that's like, that's a lifestyle. That's just a way of living. That's really, really fun, but really, really hard. So Steve, maybe, maybe um, if you want to, we can talk a little bit about what that looks like to maybe um, acclimatize what we're using the phrase from our Mount Everest illustration, but how do you get to the point where you can start being free? How do you, how do you, how is somebody liberated in, in your perspective? Yeah, good question. Um, I think, I think we, we often say that it begins with self-awareness. Um, it begins with a, um, a willingness almost to have a look in the mirror or, or even let others hold a mirror up for you so you can really see what it's like to be on the other side of you. So I think that's, you know, that's a challenge. You, you've got to be pretty secure and pretty committed to that process because I think all of us have areas of our life and our leadership that we, we either deliberately ignore or often we're, we're just unaware of the impact we have on others. So, you know, I am, I'm a relatively challenging chappy, I think would be a fair thing to say. And uh, I've been told that I carry a weapon system called a grenade launcher that I carry into most uh, discussions and assume that everybody wanted to have a fight to the death over what was logically, rationally true. So I think kind of one of the things is I would say you begin with, you have to be prepared to ask the real questions to help others give you insight into where are the opportunities for growth for you. And then I guess the willingness in some ways to embrace that and, and also the willingness to, to begin to make a change. I mean, I think one of the things we know is that the tendencies we have as leaders don't change. You know, the tendencies don't change. But with intentionality and with work and effort, we can actually begin to at least have a choice between our default patterns of how we normally respond to a situation and we want our actions to be. So, you know, you, you came up with the phrase that 
that we want to become humble, hungry, and smart. So humble enough to go, I really want to grow and invite others to help you. Hungry because you really don't want to stay the way you are and smart enough to be able to learn and commit to that learning and growth over a period of time. So I think for me, that's been part of that journey. Um, and it's not it's not for the faint hearted because in some ways, probably half the time I'd really rather not know sometimes the impact I have on others. It's been much more challenging having to deal with my conscious incompetence than perhaps it was living blissfully unaware of my unconscious incompetence. Well, and, and by the way, I got that humble, hungry, and smart was just uh, hanging out with my friend Pat Lencioni, and uh, really, he really challenged me on that. Um, but we've been we've been living it out, trying to live it out, and and that's the the crazy part. Like, here's here's the here's the big aha for me is as we spend time with all of these leaders and these uh, HR leaders and the CEOs and even just leaders inside companies, most leader development doesn't work. And most leader development doesn't work primarily because it's uh, training things that uh, usually it's training liability and protection. Most training, if you think about it, is around safety, don't fall and, and, and cause us workers comp, uh, sexual harassment, don't cause lawsuits. Um, uh, you know, all of the training is around liability and protection. I mean, it, maybe some of the training is around skills. So you can do your job better, but that very little of the leader development is focused on helping a leader become a liberator. But when, but when they do become a liberator, they turn things green. Everything happens with, with when healthy things grow. So this whole idea that we're talking about here today and what you and I've seen, it's just if we can get people to understand that, that people actually can be liberated, they actually can be self-aware, they actually can make a difference and affect people. And when that, when that happens, uh, and when they become healthy, they start passing that on. So mm -hmm. to the idea that, um, you know, people multiply what's happening in their life, they either multiply negativity or they multiply positivity or they, they're divisive or they subtract. But what would it look like to raise up liberators? So if you're listening out there, our, our challenge is really this. Can you look at a mirror and see what it's really like to be on the other side of you. Can you make changes that are true changes that people see their behavior changes? And can you actually get to the point where you're a leader people want to follow, not have to follow? When you get that healthy, your influence grows dramatically. Then guess what happens? You start winning. Your team starts winning. Uh, you actually start becoming at peace with yourself. You become secure. You become confident. You become more humble. And people begin to respect you even more. And that's what it means to be a liberator. And, and so, um, you know, our stories, uh, it, it all started with me, my part of it, um, in Russia, just watching it, as I mentioned, and realizing that domination produced 70 years of strip mining and, and apathy. And it grayed the people out. Uh, but when you see a leader that um, all of a sudden begins to fight for the highest possible good, he calls things, he or she calls things up in people and it begins to raise what's really inside them up. And then that's how cultures are built. And so I know for Steve and I, that's one of our passions. I mean, that's a significant passion of ours is to create cultures that everyone wants to work in. 
Yeah. And I, I think <clears throat> most of us have experiences in our lives. I know when Jeremy and I kind of compared notes at the beginning of this, we'd worked with and for all kinds of different characters um, over the years. Um, and all of them have good things. All of them had things we wanted to imitate, but there were often certain tendencies of both being a protector, someone who was incredibly supportive but didn't know how to bring challenge, and then people who were probably way too challenging and in some ways created that dominator culture. And I think that's the thing we'd say is, you know, you can learn um, from all kinds of experiences in your life. You're never going to have perfect leaders who lead you, but what you can do is you can take those, you can use them, and you can make a commitment yourself to go, hey, I'm going to take that learning and I'm going to take the bits I like here because that's the type of leader that I would really love to be. And all I'd say is that, you know, this idea of believing the best in people, of, of kind of, you know, actually assuming that actually most people want to do well. It's just they've never often been given the tools or the awareness or the understanding. Time and again, I've seen, you know, organizations work with going, gosh, this person's never going to make it. And they say, well, will you just have one session with them? <laughs> and and it's amazing. I think in every situation that I've done that with, it's usually been self-awareness and they were completely unaware of the impact they were having. They actually wanted to do well. It's just they were misdirecting their efforts. So if you, it, when leaders will, are secure enough to do that for the people that they lead and they create that environment for them, people come alive. I mean, people are just waiting almost for someone who will believe in them create the right environment, not just to be soft on them, but to actually help them be the best they can be, help them fulfill their potential. I think, you know, our our mission statement, wasn't it really, was to say, if you can become a leader worth following, who's learns how to build leaders worth following, if you can do those two things, you'll end up leading the teams and organizations that everybody wants to work for, because there just aren't many people out there who've learned how to do those two things well. I remember a uh, story of early on, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we were working with a, a client and uh, we, we have a number of associates around, uh, around the world, but we were working with one client and this individual had a small team and we put up the support challenge matrix that we've been talking to you all about, this, this uh, axis with uh, high support and high challenge in four quadrants. We drew liberator, dominator, we drew abdicator and protector. And basically asked this person to scatterplot themselves. And, and in front of the team, this person goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally a liberator. Absolutely. And everyone, everyone winced when he said it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I, go, I could sense it. So I sent him out of the room. I said, okay, guys, to his team. I said, would you guys come and, and scatterplot him? And I had asked this leader if it was okay to do it. And he said, sure, I'm confident. I know, I know where I'm at. So they come back in the room and I'm sorry, they, they, they put dots on the, on the sport challenge matrix. They were, some of them were afraid that he would read their dots. So they were like <laughs> doing it really quickly. And so um, he came back in the room and he was dumbfounded when he saw all the dots were right below the D in dominator. And they were like really low. And he walks in the room and he goes, are you kidding me? You guys threw me under the bus in front of him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And he starts dominating them in the meeting. I'm like, okay. So I, I just looked at him and I'm like, okay, so I think, I think you might know maybe where your learning curve is. And I just drew a circle where all the circle or all the dots were up to his dot. I'm like, this is your learning curve. And since then it's been about two and a half years and 
unbelievable transformation in this guy's life. He realized for the first time that he was a dominator. He thought he thought his people just needed challenge. And we're like, yeah, he, they absolutely need, need challenge. But they also need support. And they don't feel like you're for them. They feel like you're against them. And so how do you, how do you move from, from how do you continue to maintain productivity and challenge people and keep that area? But how do you add to your portfolio this whole idea of support and um, equipping and serving? And helping and uh, anyway it was just it was really really um, uh, fun to watch how this this process worked with this individual and so that's really part of the challenge uh, that that I would uh, I would say to you all um, as far, if you're listening it's to scatter plot yourself I mean, actually take this little uh, exercise and ask people what does it look like to be on the other side of me if, if you really want to grow, that's your quickest way to grow. You'll get, you'll get right to it, and you'll see the broccoli that's in your teeth um, pretty quickly. Mm. That's great, Jess. I mean, it may be helpful in our sort of first podcast to almost go back to the beginning because not, not, both you and I have been doing different things in the past. But so tell them a little bit about how where Giant Worldwide came from and what was that kind of original, I guess, vision and passion that, that drove us on the journey of the last three years. Yeah, so um, it's really interesting. We, we've I've been in the leadership space for 14 years now and uh, started this company called Giant. And we have a number of companies. We've got five companies, Giant Partners, Giant Capital, Giant Experiences, Giant Impact. And then we started Giant um, Worldwide here in the last three years, I guess. Um, the, the, really, the metamorphosis happened with me of of running our events. We, I ran uh, the Catalyst Conferences, the LeaderCast event, was CEO over those, and good things and all great things. In fact, those events are probably the best, I'm a little biased, but they're probably the best in the world. And uh, content, experiences, uh, how, what, how you come away with. And in every case, I got, got so frustrated that people would leave and all of a sudden we were a memory. We were an event T-shirt. Um, it wasn't an ongoing change, behavior change. Now, events are meant to spark. So I love the spark. So it's, it's really a great partnership because we, you know, the spark is happening really well with LeaderCast and Catalyst. But we didn't have the uh, – it was a lot of information transfer and a lot of good, good things, but it didn't have a um, consistency with it you know, after the fact. So we basically started Giant Worldwide to go really deep inside people to help them actually create and use the content they've learned from, from different places, but, but actually create something that was sustainable. And that was the original intent of Giant Worldwide. And so um, to do that, I had to, I had to start all over. And I met this guy years ago by the name of Steve Cockrum. And nice guy, uh, I've heard. Really nice guy. No, not really. Um, he's not really that nice, but um, but he's really great. Uh, teasing. So in 2008, Steve and I, we just started spending time together, and we started uh, really seeing what each other brought to the table. And uh, Steve is, uh, and again, this is an American introduction for you, Steve, but Steve is truly the most qualified person that I know in the world on personality and uh, self-awareness and, and understanding uh, who you truly are in nature and applied wisdom. I think uh, the applied learning that Steve does, he takes the normal things that, that a lot of people know, some of the personality tools, but 
I don't know of anyone better who knows how to apply it personally into your life. And so um, really that's how we started Giant Worldwide. We started with this whole idea of how do we take people and, and get them up to become 100% healthy, and then how do we teach them how to multiply? So uh, I'll let you you tell the second part of that story, Steve. That's my, my version. Yeah, no, that's great, Jason. And I'll never grow tired of my American introduction, so you can just keep them coming. That's great. <laughs> my new book, Effortless Humility and How I Mastered It, will be out, I think, in the spring. So everyone can look out for that. <laughs> so that, that was the thing. It was how could we create transformation that lasted? So in some ways, I think that was – I'd been involved in that in the consulting. And, and Jeremy, I think in some ways you were looking at that incredible power of the event going – Information transfer is always incredibly motivational. It can be incredibly inspirational. But over time, it was rarely lastingly transformational. So that was the first thing we, we said, wasn't it? That whatever we did together, we had to be able to look ourselves in the eyes and say, is what we're doing creating transformational change that lasts in the leaders and the teams and the organization we work with? But in some ways, because we're, you know, um, entrepreneurial pioneering characters we said well some people are already doing things like that but one of our the challenges to them was most people who went through a process of transformation either through maybe doing an executive MBA or having a, a, a coach for a year or going on a you know eight-week Harvard executive management program whatever it was what we found was when they came back to their real worlds and their jobs and they were all so fired up and excited to share what they learned it was almost too complicated, and, and therefore, they'd come back and nobody really understood what they were saying. So could we, this was our challenge, if you remember, as we were in this heads of house all those years ago, could we actually develop a process for personal transformation that was profound enough to be memorable, but simple enough that the people we were working with can actually take the tools, the insights, the things that they were learning and that they would be able in time to be able to take that learning into their worlds. So we developed this um, little axiom, both of us, uh, when Jeremy and his family moved over to London, uh, we actually ended up renting this 10-bedroom this country mansion together. So we had five bedrooms in each wing and each family lived in each. But what we were, what we were really doing was saying, we had educated 13-year-olds, I think. Who was, who was 13? Was it, was it Will at that stage, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Will. Uh-huh. So Will and I had Izzy, and we said, do you know, if we're going to create something that can be truly multiplied, let's design everything we use so that an educated 13-year-old can understand it, use it, and teach it to their friends. And I'd say that that was probably one of the most um, challenging things, because I don't think we realize sometimes how complicated we are when we're experts in things. But what it did was it led us on a journey which, um, three years on, the amazing thing is that by creating the, the process of multiplication, we've been able to really um, work with leaders in all different spheres and sectors to help them see change. But probably our greatest passion or the thing that we, we're most fired up about is when we watch them, probably for the first time, being able to take their own learning and actually repeat the process in those that they're leading in, in every sphere of their lives. So that was the, the transformation multiplication were the two words which you very cleverly created into 100x as an interesting way of remembering how to get people 100% healthy. But then from that position of health, how could we actually empower them to do the multiplication rather than be dependent upon the gurus like us? Well, I, th I think it's important to know, though, too, everything that we just talked about and everything we've created, we have, uh, we use tools. We, we realize that most adults are cynical. 
they're know-it-alls, they don't read anymore, uh, they've been there, done that, um, and they have ADD, <laughs> which is, explains <laughs> most all of us. So when you think of that in an adult, um, all we've done is we've actually created tools based on our own failures. And they're like, oh, huh, I did it again. Like if, if I do this, I'm sure other people do too. And so it's yeah. been fascinating to watch the, what's happened with uh, the tools we've created. Um, we've created 35 visual tools to create a common leadership language. And that leadership language spreads. It's almost like Rosetta Stone. We're teaching people how to actually learn a leadership language. And it spreads inside organizations and it goes to 90% of the organization. So literally people from every, from the executive suite down to the front lines have the same language they're using. And that's been one of our secret sauces. I mean, just one of the ahas that we've, we've realized, but it's all come from those times at Hedzer when we were together uh, as families and we were learning from each other and seeing how we live life down to processing our failure in business and leadership and wondering why uh, we have a tendency mix all of that into your personality and understanding how you're really wired and what happens when stress enters and how we undermine ourselves. So it's, it's really, that's what we do, you guys. So for those who are listening, we raise up liberating leaders, but we don't do it with just jargon or just um, books or just a seminar. We do it through a, a system. And what we're doing is we're building consistency because we realize that most leadership that why it fails is they're not consistent. Most leaders are just not consistent. And consistency is key for any leader worth following. So in essence, that's what we're, we're doing. We're trying to um, create something that's so unique and so practical and so useful. And we, we've done that. And, um, and so we've got a number of things that, um, uh, that we've done that are really um, that serve that we give for free. And so, Steve, why don't you share um, one of the ways that we've done and something we've launched here recently that could be really useful to the people who are listening? Yeah, great. We, um, we basically created a, a, an online course called Discovering Your True Personality. I think in the end I got so fed up with um, how many amateur people out there who do it badly and how many stories. And just we just thought, look, why don't we give this away? Why don't we at least give people a chance to go a bit deeper if they want to? So if you want to do that free course, um, you just need to go to courses.giantworldwide.com and um, you, you'll find basically just for entering an email, you can have access to, I think it's a, a six-part video series, which is kind of our gift to you. Um, really, my own learning of um, 13 years, some, 13 years ago, somebody paid, I think, in a, in a moment of weakness um, and just desire that I would finally understand um, what it was like to be married to me. So all of the learning and failure of the last 13 years and everything we've done along the way has gone into that course. And as Jeremy said, almost all the tools that we have really come out of our own failure and desire in some ways that you'd make different mistakes than the ones we've made. So courses.giantworldwide.com um, would be a great place to start for any of you interested. And, and you'll see, uh, you all, um, Steve is unbelievably gifted at this, and it doesn't hurt that he has a British accent. I, I don't know what it is, Steve, but... It's like no one wants to listen to me as long as they want to listen to you. It's that British, maybe it's the looks. I don't know, uh, but I know for sure the British <laughs> accent really helps. Do you want to know my secret? 
Tell me. I've got, I've, got, I've got a new software. It's called Cosmo. And apparently, that whenever they film me now, they just put the Cosmo filter on it, and it takes all your lines away. It makes you look about 10 years younger. I did, my wife hardly recognized the person in the videos. It was like, <laughs> it, was set, it was set an unrealistic expectation from now on, I'm afraid. I guess if I guess Botox would be the other thing that would help um, too, but I'm not sure. But Cosmo and Botox, no, that's good. I, w- I wish they could do that like for every day. I wonder if you could just put a screen in front of in front of you during a real meeting. <laughs> well, I think maybe the next time we go out to the West Coast, Jeremy, we ought to put on a couple of extra weeks and we can go and do some advanced research. I'm sure they could uh, fix us up with something while we're out there. Well, I do know we need uh, more more tan and uh, probably could use a little bit of more exercise before I go back out to the West Coast. But uh, we guys, thank you for your time today. Our, our whole purpose, you've heard it. We just raise up liberators. We really want to serve people. And the way that we do it, we really, a lot of what we do is uh, with teams, um, helping teams get healthy, helping individuals get healthy. Uh, you can find out more on that at giantworldwide.com and check out the courses.giantworldwide.com for more and for that Steve I think we're finished take care thank you so much bye bye cheers thanks so much for listening that concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide you can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com